Hello and welcome to Hardware Intel, the in-ear edition. This is the podcast from UAP exploring how hardware can help shape our future. One word, Grenfell, basically. Prior to that, there was, um, I wouldn't say there's a relaxed sort of mood in the market, but there was a lot of ignorance. From households to large-scale industrial, we'll be discussing a wide range of topics. We've got expert insight from within the building industry and thoughtful opinions about how hardware is advancing communities all around the world. Building owners and clients are actually engaging and employing these people to come and and do a fire assessment check on all the fire doors on a regular basis. I mean, that was something that, that wasn't as prevalent probably 18 months, two years ago. I'm Cyan Astley, a TV presenter and property expert, and I'm fascinated by the impact that good hardware solutions can have on all of our lives. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about fire protection using modern technology. And joining me today are Simon Marr, the General Manager at Intelligent Hardware, and Paul Goggins, the Specification Manager at UAP. This is the final episode of the series, but I'm presuming that they're saving the best till last. Is that right? I was going to say, I was just going to say that. (laughs) Were you? Did did, did I beat you to that? (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your roles at UAP. I'm on the specification side. So I started here about three and a half years ago. My background is in fire doors and security doors. I was with a manufacturer. So I found that most of UAP's customers were actually door manufacturers and external door manufacturers or security door manufacturers. We weren't that well known amongst specifiers. Um, when I was with the, with, with the door producer, we got most of our work by engaging architects and influencers within the industry to specify our products. Gives you a head start then in terms of when the, you know, when the, when the contractors are out in the market searching for products, their clients are putting your name forward. Obviously, that's a great advantage. UAP, because we're a couple of notches down the supply chain, we weren't that well known to those that particular audience really, the specifiers and architects. Um, and it's arguable whether they'd be interested to, to that degree. In other words, if, if, if they're specifying a fire safety product such as a fire door, are they really wanting to get to, into the nitty gritty in terms of what hinges are going on the door and what lock and what, what numerals and so on? Possibly not. Um, the door manufacturer is obviously very interested in that. But quite often, that's just down to a pricing situation. They just want the cheapest product that will allow them to comply with with the particular regulations they've got to satisfy and so on. So we try to put a different approach into that, really, and get get the specifier interested in saying, look, you really should take an interest in what handles are going on the door and so on. Because if you don't and the products aren't up to scratch, you're going to have a lot of maintenance costs going forward. So that's quite a task for you then, isn't it? And Simon, how do you fit in with that? How does intelligent hardware fit in? My background is architectural ironmongery. I've worked for a company called Laidlaw, or I did work for Laidlaw for, for 19 years. And basically where we were an architectural ironmonger that specified products via architects, worked with clients, and also worked with contractors and end users to obviously make sure that products that were being specified on any particular building or project were obviously compliant uh, and that all falls into with fire eggs etc. I joined UAP. Initially I was brought in as a business development manager which was to help them look at the commercial side of their offer because traditionally uh, intelligent hardware supplied mainly into 
merchants, retail, and the architectural ironmongers around the country who then would then sell on and specify the products on, on projects. Um, and more recently, I've just been promoted to general manager of Intelligent Hardware, so I'm now overseeing the whole uh, Intelligent Hardware business, um, which we'll be looking at, obviously, different products uh, and how we can how we can obviously build the, the portfolio. So my first question to you, Paul, how has modern technology helped develop safer methods of keeping people from fire injury? Well, probably detection is the main thing, um, you know, early detection of fires uh, and, and particularly compartmentation. If you take the, um, the Grenfell fire, which is probably the most topical subject at the moment, one of the very frightening things when, when I've seen that building on fire in the, when, it, when it came on the news in that morning was the amount of spread because straight away I said to my wife where's the compartmentation because the whole idea behind that is if a, if a fire starts in a particular flat or an apartment the compartmentation the protection around that flat should that should treat it as a capsule really so the, the, the flames and the fire and the heat and the smoke don't get any further than that particular building certainly within the time that it would, you would expect the fire service to get there and deal with the fire so that's the main Thing that's developed over the years and particularly after Lackanall House which was a, a similar fire to Grenfell but nowhere near the sort of uh, enormity um, probably about 10 years prior to, to Grenfell a lot of things were learned from that unfortunately they weren't put into they weren't, in, they weren't in, um, put into implication really. How does your industry how does your industry feed into that with the doors and the hardware and modern technology? Obviously we do our own testing to make sure that the products in the, in the, in their own right are compliant i'm thinking things about you know fire-rated lead plates are a good example we have the right intumescent protection round so that's going to last prescribed amount of time which is either 30 minutes or 60 minutes so we'll do our own independent testing and we also get it third-party audited through a through a certifier so we know that our product individually as an, an isolated component will do the job in in the right in, the, in a suitable application that's a huge onus on you as a business isn't it Absolutely. The, the onus is not fully on us, but certainly part of it because, and this is where we try to get in early and talk to specifiers and talk to the door manufacturers when they're, when they're going about testing their whole product. So the whole homogenous thing, a door set, is made up of various components. We may, be, may supply six or seven, eight of those components, which, as I said, we'll test individually for performance, for fire and, and so on. Um, but the door manufacturers then got to have his own evidence to, to underpin that so you know if we get involved in the early stages we'll, we'll if, you, if, if, if they're doing some fire testing for example we want to know what their objective is to start with what you're trying to achieve and then we, we can hopefully give them advice and products that will, that will help them meet that objective so simon over to you what do you what do you feel is the best way of sourcing products that help make fire doors robust and help make these products robust how do you go about sourcing those products i think as paul's touched on um, all our sourcing is is generally uh, from from overseas. However, you know, in recent years the factories have obviously had to come up to standard uh, on all the products that they supply. So any any product that we we source from overseas, you know, we we expect and demand that that product has the relevant CE certification certifier and is, is, is up to all the relevant standards before we would even look to to bring that product in 
Um, and as, again, as Paul, Paul's touched on, uh, we also have done our own tests on, on some of the product to, to, to actually doubly support the product. So we, we tend to have evidence from the manufacturer, but then we'll also put it through a, a UK accredited test house such as Exova or Warrington Fire to ensure that you know the test data is, is robust and everything that we're getting from the factory we, we sort of double check and make sure you know that, that we're not relying on, on, on their testing without actually um, ha- having backed it up ourselves. Have the change in regulations made it more difficult to source suitable products? I would say not, no, no. The, you know, because we're aware of, of how, how regulations are changing, then we just adapt. So it's not, it's not made it any more difficult. It's just that you have to obviously keep up with current legislation to make sure the products are tested to the, to the right standard. I mean, as you say, it's become so much more important in recent years to get that third-party accreditation if you're checking the safety of your products. Why has there been such a push for that? Is that because of tragedies like Grenfell? Yeah, Grenfell. One word, Grenfell, basically. It, prior to that, there was... Um, I wouldn't say there's a relaxed sort of mood in, in the market, but there was a lot of ignorance a lot of assumptions being made about people thought they were doing the right thing, potentially. Um, I gave an example before of fire-rated letter plates. I've known situations in the past where people... I mean, we supply that product with intumescent protection already around it, so we, we know it's, it's going out into the market in exactly the same way that it was tested. But manufacturers were, for example, finding out they could buy the letter plate separately, cheaper. So they're buying the letter plate and then getting their own intumescent, um, which was probably a decent product, but nobody could prove that. And they would fit that round the letter plate and then fit it into their door, which is a dangerous thing to do because, you know, the, even if it's a good intumescent, it's a good letter plate in itself, it's well constructed. It doesn't mean the two things going together are going to have the same performance as the one that we tested it with. Do you think that's, what, that's the way that things will go then in the future, that people will have to buy the, the door set, everything's there, fit, fit and forget type mentality? Yeah. It's already good. I won't say forget, but that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Fire doors. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's turned full circle because what they're saying now is fire doors are going to have legislation's about to be developed, we believe, um, to say that in buildings of in multiple, occupant, multiple occupation, in particular, blocks of flats, um, care homes, um, sheltered housing, that sort of thing, they're going to have to check that the fire doors and the associated door closing devices are in good working order once a quarter, which is a, is a task in itself. Um, so that it's, it's turned full circle now. So after the event, there's, there's a lot more involvement going forward than there was before. Like you said before, the attitude was just, let's get the right product, or we think we're getting the right product, fit it, and then leave it. Well, you can't take a product and, and fit it and then just leave it and expect it 10 years later to be performing in the same manner. I mean the new the new fire well and when I say the new fire door inspection scheme that, that that's in place now. I mean that that's sort of gathered pace over the last twelve to eighteen months where there's been a quite a number of individuals that have got the badge, if you like, they've got on the course and and they've they've been trained in how to inspect fire doors. You know, so there's a lot more of that in the market now where building owners and clients are actually engaging and employing these people to come and and do a fire assessment check on all the fire doors on a regular basis. Uh, and these companies that are literally setting up are just doing that now. So I mean, that was something that, that wasn't as prevalent probably 18 months, two years ago. Um, so so the, the, the market is moving. It, you know, the, the industry is, is trying to adjust 
um, and, and that that's a good thing, you know, that, mm. that, that that's been done. I was going to actually ask um, how regulations have changed within the industry to make these fire doors and, and um, systems more secure. And is that is that an example of a regulatory change? There's, there's actually two sort of products in the market and they've got and there are different rules um, associated in both one is a timber fire door and the other one is a composite fire door and the reason there's extra scrutiny on the on the composite door is that's the door that was used in Grenfell for, for, for all, the entrance to all the flats and the entrance of flats and the, the government did some testing afterwards after the event if you like uh, during the autopsy and they put some doors through the fire test they're meant to be at least 30 minutes performance minimum and some of them only lasted 10 to 15 minutes. So there was a massive uproar about that, about how, how, how can that happen when people are specifying an FD30 door, how can it only last 15 minutes? There's a, a lot of rules associated with composite doors that don't, don't um, involve timber doors. Timber doors have traditionally um, been seen as the, as the safer option. It's interesting you say that though, isn't it? Because you'd think that a product like wood or timber, which burns, uh, but we've obviously used for you know thousands of years, how do you make a product like timber safer? Well, composite door manufacturers might argue, fire door manufacturers might argue the case because they'll say, well, we've got test evidence to prove that's not the case. But no matter, there is still a um, still a belief out in the marketplace that they're, they're not as they're not as secure, they're not as um, reliable, um, and it's because this, they've had this bad publicity after after Grenfell, some of which is justified, some some of which isn't. Welcome back, Simon. Welcome back, Paul. One of my questions is about third-party accreditation. It's becoming so much more important to gain third-party accreditation when checking the safety of products. Why has there been such a push for this in recent years? Going back to what we said before about Grenfell, really, that's that's been the driver for a lot of this now. I mentioned a, a, a phrase, a global certification, and people used to get away with murder with that because they could get a product um, from a manufacturer and work off their global certification. So you could be a door manufacturer and you might not have any of your own certification prior to Grenfell. So you, you, you would be relying on a component manufacturer, for example, somebody who makes the door blank, the door slab, or the frame manufacturer, or even the lock manufacturer. Um, they would do the, all the testing because it's a very expensive thing to do. So the, the attraction for a smaller manufacturer in particular um, is that you could you don't have to carry out all your own, you've got the risk and the expense of carrying out your own fire testing and, and obviously having the people available to do it. You can piggyback, if you like, off, off evidence that's been generated by one of your suppliers. And it's obviously in their interest to allow you access to that information so that you can use their product, if you like. And that's still going on, but in a far more developed way now. So the attraction really for, from specifiers and, and, and manufacturers and end users is, is that... Um, People aren't allowed to work off global certifications anymore, strictly speaking. People want to see direct evidence from the manufacturing question. So for composite doors now, as a good example, the building regulations um, or Annex A of the building regulations now actually stipulate that a composite door can only be supplied into the market by a third party accredited manufacturer. And Simon, does that third-party accreditation then then filter down to smaller components, not just the door slabs, but the the components that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the you know most most of as as we've said, all, all the all the products that we supply for a fire door 
I mean, there are products that we do supply that aren't necessarily fitted to fire doors or don't require testing. Um, you know, think there's such things like door stops and coat hooks and various other things that, that don't have to be fire tested. But anything that does, obviously, we, we, we ensure that, you know, the accreditation's there uh, and the, the product's fully tested so that, so that it can be fitted to it in, in a fire door application. There are actually far less fires, notwithstanding the tragedy that was Grenfell. There are far less fires, aren't there, these days in buildings, yet the, the regulations are so much more um, onerous now, aren't they? Yeah, maybe there's not a lot of fires because the regulations are doing the job. You know, um, and, and that's certainly the case with compartmentation that I mentioned before. Um, you very rarely see a situation in the block of flats where it, the fire goes beyond the original seat, you know, the original, the original um, individual dwelling. Um, and because it's built in, safety is built in at the start on new buildings nowadays. So that's why you don't get that. You used to, you're right, there used to be a, a lot more fires. Um, the reaction to having a lot more fires was to make sure that didn't happen in the future. And hopefully that's what's going to happen with high rise buildings when they start taking the cladding off, get around to doing it that they've promised. Um, they're going to be a lot safer going forward. How has UAP adapted to new regulations? I mean, you've, you've touched on this, you've touched on answers to this question throughout, but how specifically has UAP adapted to new regulations to ensure safety for customers? We've got, a, I mean, just to touch on, on what, what UAP have, I mean, we have a, an internal team, um, you know, a, a testing and, and, and specification team which, which Paul works with closely, um, you know, where we're doing tests on a regular basis, you know, on all the products, and that can be from corrosion tests to fire tests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we've got a dedicated team that are obviously all the time keeping up to speed with any changes in regulation, any new regulations where we think, well, we need our product to to meet that regulation or that that standard. So that's an ongoing process um you know as 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 the industry changes and, and as the new regulations do come in you know UAP's well positioned uh, because of the expertise we've got within the business to actually follow that and, and make sure that our products are bang up to date basically you can argue it's it's, it's easier for us to, to sell into the market now than it, than it used to be um our main route to market is door manufacturers fire door manufacturers in, in particular um, it used to be that you could possibly go out to the market and it was always it'd always be about price you know in terms of letter plates fire rated letter plates fire rated door viewers door closers it was really you know all products were assumed to be to up to the standard so they it just came down to a pricing situation that's changed now because the door manufacturer in order to be able to take your product on, if he's not already tested it in his door set, he has to seek credentials from you so to shortcut the process. They, they have what's called a field of application because no door manufacturer could afford to test every single permutation of a fire door that they want to sell to market. Um, so uh, a certain assumptions um, have to be made that other products in the range or other sizes in particular in the range will perform in, in the same way that the product you had tested. Um, so if we can provide them with evidence, our own individual evidence that we have for our letter plate, our TS008 letter plate, to show that that's been independently tested, that makes it easier for them to go to their 
third-party notified body and introduce our component into their door set without doing any further testing themselves, which would be very expensive to do. What's the future of fire protection then, both of you? Where do you think the future lies and how can modern technology be, invo be involved even more than it is already? Well, I think a good example is, is obviously everyone's got a mobile phone these days and, and, and iPods and, and so on. Um, one interesting development that's come in and a lot, there's been quite a lot of that recently, is, um, is devices to be able to read information off a fire door. As I mentioned before, one of the critical things after the door's been fitted is how it's maintained properly and understanding where the products come from, where they need to go to to get replacement parts and so on. Some people now are building in like readers into the, uh, into the actual door frame so they can come along with a, with a, with a mobile phone and scan it and find out where, who the manufacturer was, what type of product it is, where the contact details are, what certification is. So it's, it's replaced the labels. They used to, all products, manufactured products that are meeting, have to have a label on the door, but sometimes at the top of the door, you, if the ceiling height, the book is, is, is restrictive, you're not going to even be able to get up there without to see the thing in the first place. They come off, so on and so forth. It's got a chip built into it, like you might have in your pet or whatever. Somebody can come along and just... Well, just, you've got a big... You'll have a big file, an O&M file, with exactly. all your maintenance details, all where, where every single product's come from, and there's a guy flicking through a, a, a wad of paper yeah. about this deep to try, and, to try and establish, you know, where the products come from and what the, the maintenance, you know, features are and what needs doing. Yeah, it's very, very, it's very key, that. Um, speed things up. Um, and obviously, as a manufacturer, it's good for us to, to, to have a presence in that sort of... Uh, environment because we w obviously we won't repeat business for one thing but it helps your reputation if you're at the forefront with the with the technology to help people identify where the products have come from in the first place so there's a full trail full audit trail um, again it gives people comfort that, uh, that the product's going to you know, it's not only suitable for now but it's going to stand the test of time yeah and and the test of um, human beings not doing what they're supposed to do absolutely it happens now and again that <laughs> What is the process of ensuring that your doors align with fire safety regulations? What's that process and how does it go? Well, it, from our point of view, it's collaboration. Really. We, we don't manufacture doors, but obviously our products end up on doors. Um, to, to work with certain manufacturers, you know, we'll identify certain manufacturers we want to work with because they'll give us the correct volumes and, 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 the, and the right reputation, if you like, for being aligned with them. So we, we would get involved with them at an early stage to find out what products they want to take to market um, and then we'll help with the testing you know we've got expertise at this and people who know what what's needed to get a product through a fire test so they they want to take a product to market we'll we'll supply the components as many as we can for that door and we perhaps contribute towards the, the testing um, the products then fire test and we, we can both share that evidence so we've got primary evidence for our own individual components the door manufacturer's got the holistic whole fire certification for the whole product as well so we that allow, allow then allows us if we've contributed to share that evidence potentially with other manufacturers and other people who want to use our products so we're ensuring that we're not 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 only are our components fit for purpose but the the, the product that they're going to end up in and then the end user is going to be utilizing we know that that trail all the way through is is robust um, so that's the way that's the way we do it as a manufacturer. We test our own products individually, but we we also have got to get a, in, involved with the person that's going to take that product to market, the manufacturer that puts it on the market. We have to have an understanding with them that with 
you know they've used the correct products from us and we've both tested them jointly so the, 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 whoever's receiving that product at the end of it in, in the marketplace has got a full trail um, of, of individual components and the, the, the whole, as I said, the whole, the finished product really. I agree with Paul exactly on that. I mean, we've touched on it earlier in, 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 the, in the conversation that, you know, we ensure all our individual components are tested, have all the certification, and then it's a case of working with the particular door manufacturer or door supplier to actually work out exactly what of those components need to be on that door and, and all, the, all the, the, the testing that goes with that. And we, we do support them on that. All of these things that you've talked about gives your customers absolute confidence that this is at the forefront of UAP's thinking in terms of fire safety. So many different systems in place and so much foresight and reacting to regulations and trying to be, as you said, Paul, ahead of the curve must give your customers so much confidence. Yeah, I think so. Uh, particularly where the, the, it's, in the past there's, there's been a bit of um, lack of confidence, I think, when, when the people find out you import most of your products. Let's be, let's, let's be clear, most hardware manufacturers or suppliers in, in the UK source the components from the Far East. Um, so there, there was a little bit of a, a, I wouldn't say a belief in the market, but at least a suspicion that because products were coming in, you, 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 you were only using those sources for cheap labour and so on. That's definitely not the case. And because of the third-party accreditation, as I mentioned before, the auditors will actually go out to the factories in China and check for themselves that they're meeting all the regulations. And of course, we don't just take their word for it. When the products come in here, we've got separate checks all the time for quality and for, and for making sure they're compliant. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Paul, for being involved in this podcast and giving us some, some fantastic information there, some critical information. Um, that's it for this series of the Hardware Intel podcast. Thank you again for joining us on this episode and to all of our guests throughout the series. You can listen back to every episode again through your podcast provider. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.